will not tire. Give me liberty or give me death. We will not falter. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And we will not fail. Ask not what your country can do for you. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Free at last! Free at last! Thanks, God Almighty! And now, Common Sense Makes a Comeback. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Peter Heck Radio Show. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the Peter Heck Radio Show. Great to have you on a Monday, start of another week. And this is a great way to start your week. I am excited to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for me and us and everything we're going to talk about here on a busy, busy Monday. And I got to I got to shed a few tears for this Sandra Fluke chick from uh, from Georgetown. Or what what was it Carney called her? This young girl? Mr. Carney, a young girl's what I've got at home. I got a, I got a two and a half year old. That's a young girl. A 30 year old woman who's whining about how everybody else should be paying for her condoms? I said, a poor little girl. Gosh. Don't you love how the left will will be vociferous? They'll, they'll, be, they'll be vicious. There'll be little bulldogs out there for their political causes, saying and getting crude and down in the, down in the dirt and the mud, and they'll be going at it. But then when conservatives fight back and they use hurtful terminology... Well, they, they hurt our feelings. Listen, we're going to get into this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yes, I know. And this is exactly what I was talking about last week with the with the death of Andrew Breitbart. This is exactly, precisely what I meant last week when I said it was Breitbart that taught me this lesson. He taught me this lesson not to allow the left to use the virtue of the right against it. As if for the left, they don't really believe in some of these moral standards and principles. It's why it's why having an illicit affair on your wife causes your approval ratings to go up if you're a Democrat liberal. I mean, that that's, you know, but then they'll turn around and they'll use that very moral failing against conservatives. Now, again, I'm not suggesting to you that conservatives should not uh, take moral issues into question. That's not that's not at all what I mean. Make sure you follow what I'm saying here. Don't let the left use the virtue of the right against it. In other words, be cowed into a corner and say, yes, we were wrong, you were right, all all of this stuff. Now, look, here's what I would say. Limbaugh called, Rush Limbaugh called, see, I don't know, I don't know the context. I didn't look at Rush's transcript, and that's why even, I'm I'm leery to even say this, because I don't want to, I don't want to participate in the perpetuation of something that was taken out of context in order to, once again, make Rush Limbaugh look like this evil monster. I'll I'll, I'll say it this way. I'll put it out there this way. The media is reporting that Rush Limbaugh 
called this Sandra Fluke, that we played the audio, the mind-numbing idiocy from Sandra Fluke there in, in a congressional hearing where she said, you know, what's a college girl to do when she goes to the drugstore and she's got her condoms or her pills and they tell her, your, your insurance company isn't going to pay for this. She just has to go without contraception, Sandra said. Actually, no, she could go without sex. I, I know, wild idea, right? You would show some personal responsibility that you, that you wouldn't sleep around. It's just a wild idea. So Sandra, Sandra Fluke is the, the woman in question here. has become the heart of this firestorm. And the media is reporting that Rush Limbaugh called her a slut. Now listen, I don't know. I, I don't know because I didn't read the I didn't read Rush's transcript. And short of doing that, I'm not comfortable saying that he did it. If he did, he's just putting terminology, he's just putting the phrase to what uh, to what Sandra Fluke went in front of Congress and said, you know, I'm here to speak on behalf of College girls that want to continue to have sexual relations with a bunch of men. What, what did it figure out to be? Sex like three times a day? For how long? For three years. Yes, that those were the numbers. Okay, and, and uh, these are unmarried women that she's referring to. The, the vast majority of them. So, look, what is the term that is used... For men or women, it should be used for men equally who do the same thing. Used for those that have recreational sex three times a day for three years. Undoubtedly with multiple partners. Well, look, if you want me to say it that way, fine. Apparently, Rush shortened it and just used the term that's always used for it, the word slut. Now, let me let me say this. What is the left's angle on this? The left, then, is to make Sandra Fluke into the victim. The left is great at making victims. This is what they've done with the homosexual lobby. It's what they do anytime they're advancing a political cause. Make everybody who opposes them the oppressors and make that cause and the people that are, that are advocating it the victim. Let me tell you one thing that Sandra Fluke is not. She is not a victim this is a woman who just went before Congress and said, somebody else should have to pay for my recreational sex habit. I think that's probably what had Rush Limbaugh pretty exercised. And can I tell you, it should have all of us exercised. Now, look, you want to say he shouldn't have used the term fine. You, you, you want to put me on the spot. I'm not going to use that term. But I'll tell you what else I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have gone before Congress and basically told the entire country that I was there speaking on behalf of those who that term would apply to. I wouldn't have gone in front of Congress and said, uh, you need to make sure that there are laws in place so that other people pay for my condoms. I also wouldn't have done that. Let me express to you here, Sandra Fluke is not the victim. This is a woman who just went before Congress and displayed the most irresponsibility you could ever imagine in the content of her argument, suge suggesting that it is the responsibility of society to pay for her sex habit or her friend's sex habit. 
She doesn't bear the responsibility. They don't bear the responsibility. You do. What about what about those of us that don't believe in extramarital sex? What about those of us that don't believe in premarital sex? And what about those that don't believe in birth control at all? Doesn't matter. This is America. We have a right to go out and have sex three times a day for three years. And by right, of course, we mean that you all should pay for it. That's what's offensive here. Gosh, I mean, we're getting hung up about a word. This is classic liberalism. And I'm telling you what really frustrates me, and this is what I learned from Breitbart. This is what I was talking about last week. And it's what I want everybody in this listening audience to grasp. Fine. Go out and say, I wouldn't call somebody a slut. That's fine. But don't give in to the left as they're attempting to spin this and make fluke the victim and the right the evil meanies. Please, for the love of all that is rational and sane and pure and noble and right, please understand the offensive element of this story is the person who goes before Congress and proposes and purports that society has a duty, a moral obligation to pay for young people's sex addiction. That's what's offensive here. Conservatives, we got to be better about this. We got to be better than to fall into the left's trap time and time again. Well, yes, Rush shouldn't have said that. And he really hurt our cause by doing all of this. No, he didn't. The left is telling you that he hurt your cause. They didn't believe in your cause to begin with. The problem, gosh, the problem here. The offensive thing here is the prospect of society having to pay for other people's irresponsibility. It's what I said last week. The irresponsible are supported by the responsible. And and if you codify that, where the responsible have an obligation to continue to support, to continue to fund, to continue to enable irresponsibility, that isn't going to last long. Because pretty soon the responsible are going to say, screw it, I'm done. And they will become irresponsible as well. Or they'll just leave. Or they'll rebel. It eventually gets to that point. That is what the left is pushing. That is what the left, that's what Sandra Fluke is about. She is about codifying irresponsibility. Claiming a constitutional right to be sexually irresponsible. And have you pay for it. That is what is offensive. Don't lose sight of that. But yet, doing their best spin game. Look at what, uh, or listen to what, I guess I should say. This is Jay Carney at a press. uh, Can can we bring up the audio on this? I want you to hear this. This is Jay Carney taking a question from Nora O'Donnell at the the presidential, well, the daily press briefing in the White House. Take a listen to this. On the president's call with the Georgetown Law student, Sandra Fluke. Was the president made aware of Rush Limbaugh's comments? Is that why he placed? Well, the he certainly is aware of them. Yes, yes. And what did you think of those comments? Uh, well, I think I, I, this is not a quote from him, but I think he thinks they were uh, reprehensible. They were disappointing. They reprehensible. Were, it, is, it is he. It is disappointing that uh, that kind of uh, those kinds of uh, personal um, and crude. Uh, 
attacks could be leveled against someone like uh, uh, this uh, young uh, law school student who was uh, simply uh, expressing her opinion on a matter of public policy and doing so with a great deal of poise. Wendell. Is President frustrated? I don't... Um, <laughs> I mean, th- th- I just want to scream. First of all, this is why what you just heard, this is, this is why you do not operate heavy machinery while listening to Jay Carney's voice. But second of all, I just, I, I want to scream at this. Uh, the president finds it reprehensible that these kind of personal and crude statements are made about a young woman. First of all, she's not young, she's 30! Reprehensible comments would be made about a young woman who is simply expressing her opinion on a matter of public policy. You know what I don't remember Jay Carney ever saying? I don't remember Jay Carney ever answering a question and saying that the president finds it reprehensible. That left-wing talkers were out there calling innocent American citizens in tea parties who were simply expressing their opinion on a matter of public policy, calling them extremists, calling them racists, calling them bigots, calling them homophobes, calling them hate merchants, calling them terrorists. In fact, wasn't it Joe Biden that called them terrorists? I don't, I don't remember Jay Carney having a real problem with that. I don't remember the president having a real problem with that. And these were Americans who were merely expressing their opinion on a matter of public policy. And doing so in a pretty dignified way. In a peaceful way. It wasn't reprehensible to call those people terrorists? Racists? Let me tell you. I don't think that slut is an admirable term to attach to anybody. Okay? Now... Uh, Rush Limbaugh might say, look, she was describing sluttish behavior and attributing it to herself. If she doesn't want to be called a slut, then she shouldn't be in front of Congress uh, talking about her sluttish behavior or her friend's sluttish behavior. Now, let me turn tables and say, what about the Tea Party? The Tea Party were called racists. They were called terrorists. Isn't it worse to call someone a racist than a slut? Isn't it worse to call someone a terrorist than a slut? And the Tea Party wasn't talking about terrorism that they wanted to engage in. They weren't talking about racism. All of that was was thrust upon them, was projected upon them, which makes those accusations, those statements, those descriptors far more reprehensible. At least Limbaugh could say, look, I'm just calling a spade a spade. If she's going to go out there and say, I, I want to engage in sluttish behavior and have you pay for it, then she better accept the terminology. At least Limbaugh would have that defense. There is no such defense for those who hurled those accusations against the Tea Party. And let me remind you of something else. Hold on to your hats, boys and girls. Hold on to your hats. Do you remember in the book The Promise, which chronicled Obama's first year in office, written by a very hospitable media source. Do you remember what the President of the United States himself, the man who finds it reprehensible that Rush Limbaugh would use such terminology about uh, you know, a young girl expressing her opinion on a matter of public policy. Do you remember what that same President of the United States called a bunch of, of, of patriotic, God-fearing, Midwestern, conservative, 
red-blooded Americans at the tea parties. Do you remember when the president called them teabaggers? Uh-oh! Well, the whole charade's just kind of collapsing now, isn't it? Call them teabaggers. Now, for those of you a little bit more innocent in the crowd, in the audience, I would be, I, I would I would caution you about googling teabagging. It is a grotesque sexual practice that I'm not going to describe, but it's pretty grotesque. It's pretty explicit. Pretty perverse. And yet here's the President of the United States. Uh, we could certainly call this a personal attack. We could certainly call this crude, which happens to be the exact same words that Mr. Carney used to describe Rush Limbaugh's comments. Personal. Crude. Uh-huh. Mr. Obama used the exact same thing against thousands, hundreds of thousands of his own citizens, his fellow citizens, when he called them teabaggers, suggesting that they were engaging in these perverse sexual acts by using that terminology. Don't talk to me about how the president finds it reprehensible. Let me tell you what the president does. The president finds this as an effective moment for him to build a campaign on, for him to raise money on. He finds this as an effective moment to play politics with. He finds this as a great soundbite that he can run with, that he can further divide the country. That's what the president sees here. The president didn't find him reprehensible. He found them comments he could take advantage of. That's what the president sees here. Doesn't find him reprehensible at all. Because he's used worse terminology and attributed, to, attributed it to his fellow Americans. This is what I'm saying to you, conservatives. Don't fall for this garbage. Don't think all of a sudden the left is appealing to your compassion and your sensitivity and your virtue saying, stand with us and renounce this kind of rhetoric. They don't want to renounce the kind of rhetoric. They want a monopoly on it. They want to use it and then condemn one of yours when they return fire. Don't fall for this. Don't be distracted by this. The issue is not Rush Limbaugh's descriptor for the very act that the woman was talking about. She was defending sluttish activity. The issue is not Rush Limbaugh putting the term with the description. The issue, the offensive thing here, is what she was talking about. Making you and I pay for the recreational sex habit of college kids. <laughs> that is the issue. Please, please, conservatives, understand that. And stop bowing down. Stop falling all over yourself. It's just, it's, it's... Betcha Breitbart would have had a field day with it. I know he would have. What's that?
No, yeah, that's that, no, that's a, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. The le- the left will use this to get conservatives to throw one of their own under the bus. Oh, no way. Rush Limbaugh has lost sponsors over what who's what sponsor? What sponsor did he lose? What jelly spine sponsor did he lose over this? You have got to be kidding me. I we don't know the name. I, that is going to well my, I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now friends. I uh I'm about ready to come court. I'm about ready to corkscrew right now. Add frost my rhubarb like you wouldn't believe. All right, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Stay tuned. Back here on the Peter Hag Radio Show. Thanks to our friends over at Victory Christian Academy. VCA Knights with a K.com. VCA Knights.com. Hope you made it over to their uh, country breakfast on Saturday. Raise funds for their uh, for their excellent student, student convention. One of the major myths about private schoolers and homeschoolers in the whole nine yards is uh, that, uh, you know, they don't get any social interaction. They don't get a chance to engage in all of these other activities that public school kids do. And it's just not true. And there's so many ways to bust that myth. You need to talk to Matt or Peggy over there at Victory Christian Academy, doing wonderful things for this community beyond just the the great day school that they offer. Uh, You really need to check them out. Again, VCA Knights with a K.com. That's VCA Knights.com. All right. uh, One of the, uh, here at the station, one of the computers, uh, in fact, maybe a couple of the computers, when you log on, and some of you maybe have this at your workplace, too, when you log on to the computer, the home page that's automatically set, and I think there's an affiliation with Microsoft and all of that, is MSN. Uh, it's like MSN Now or something like that. It's a page that's dedicated to what is trending. Yes, what, what, what is trending? In other words, what are people talking about right now? And one of the things that MSN declared recently that uh, people were talking about that was trending was that, uh, here, here was the headline, Kirk Cameron provokes with anti-gay comments. Now let me just give you a piece of advice, because I know you're looking for it. You wouldn't be listening if you weren't looking for my advice. Right. Anyway, here, here's a piece of advice going forward. F- from now on, mark it this day, go home and put it in stone. From now on, when you see in the mainstream media anything referred to as, quote, anti-gay, I want you to substitute another word for that. Christian. That is what is happening right now. That is why I'm telling you that the criminalization of Christianity is coming. Because what is basic Christian doctrine? What is 2,000 years of Christian doctrine? What, what is basic quotation from Scripture, the pages of Scripture itself, is now being termed by the media, and this is intentionally, intentional, by the way. It's being intentionally termed this by the homosexual lobby and their, and their allies. Anti-gay. When you express Christian viewpoint now on the issue of homosexuality, you're being told it is anti-gay. Now, there is no, there, and I love the way that MSN does this. They don't put a name to their pieces. They, they don't attach any names to this. It's an unnamed writer for MSN who starts this way. 
Kirk Cameron alarmed Glad and all 12 of his fans after making statements on CNN against not just gay marriage, but the existence of homosexuality. Now, then they'll go on to quote Kirk Cameron, which I want to get to in one second. But let me start off with a question. I understand they're taking a shot at Kirk Cameron and all 12 of his fans. Let me ask you a question. If somebody only has 12 fans and they make comments, first of all, does somebody with only 12 fans get invited onto CNN for an interview? Because that's where this quote came from. Of course not. And if somebody only had 12 fans, would MSN find it necessary to do a headline on them? I'm guessing not. They quote Kirk Cameron as saying this, I think it's unnatural, meaning homosexuality. I think it's detrimental and ultimately destructive to so many of the foundations of civilization. Now let's examine that quote for a second. Is this anti-gay? Well, it depends on how you term that phrase. To say that it's unnatural behavior means that you are encouraging someone against that behavior. To say that it is de detrimental is encouraging someone not to engage in that behavior. To say that it's ultimately destructive to so many of the foundations of civilization, meaning the basic core unit of our civilization, which is the family, is encouraging someone not to engage in that behavior. So what is being said here is that the very act of encouraging someone to not engage in the behavior of homosexuality is anti-gay. I just want to make sure that we're clear on our definition of terms. His comments were anti-homosexuality. But if you have the best interest of those who practice homosexuality in mind, you're terming those people who practice homosexuality as gay, encouraging someone not to embrace a deadly and a destructive lifestyle like homosexuality is not anti-gay, it's loving. We need to be clear exactly how we're terming all of this. Uh, the headline from the Gay Lesbian Alliance Against Debate, I'm sorry, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, that's my fault, had tipped to Tim Graham on that one. Their headline was this, tell Kirk Cameron it's time to finally grow up. And it came with this, uh, this, this graphic image that described how Cameron went from teen idol to anti-gay extremist. This is what I was talking about right before the break. This is what I mean. If you want to be courageous in Hollywood, if you want to show courage in our culture, don't come out of the closet and say that you're practicing homosexuality. It's a fad. You're going to be warmly embraced by the mainstream press. They're going to reaffirm and affirm everything that you do. No matter how depraved your behavior is, nothing bad will be said about you. You can sexually abuse a kid to death like poor Jesse Durkissing, and nothing will be reported about you. The media has your back. That's not courage. You want to be courageous. Come out and take a stand for traditional morality. Come out and take a stand on the authority of God's word. You will be lampooned. You will be harpooned. You will be mocked. You will be criticized. You will be ostracized. You will be derided. The whole nine yards. Glad was delighted that the host of the show, Piers Morgan, offered the line when he, uh, when he asked... Kirk Cameron, what would you say if one of your own children was gay? Kirk Cameron answered, he said, I would tell them just because you feel one way doesn't mean we should act on everything that we feel.
In other words, acknowledging, yes, many of those feelings are in, they're, they're, they're deep. People really feel like that is what they're... But, but other people feel strong feelings towards certain behaviors, and, and we tell them they can't act on those things. A person who feels predisposed towards violence is told they can't act that way. A number of these examples abound. So Kirk Cameron responded appropriately. Piers Morgan said, If one of my sons came out, I'd say, That's great, son, as long as you're happy. And Glad applauded this. Let me ask a question. I'll, I'll leave you with this. If you think that's a loving line, I simply ask you, would you say that to your child for any behavior? You pick the behavior and insert it there, and your child was engaging in it. Would you say, whatever makes you happy? I'm guessing no good parent is going to say, yes, that's how I would answer. There are some behaviors I would say I would discourage my children from. Any loving parent is going to discourage their children from negative, bad behavior. That's all Kirk Cameron is doing. Piers Morgan has moral discretion. He just doesn't draw that line at homosexuality. Kirk Cameron does. Who's right on it? Look at the consequences of homosexuality and you've got your answer. That's what you keep in mind. That's truth. You don't get it from the left. Back to Wine on the show next. We will not tire. Give me liberty or give me death. We will not falter. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And we will not fail. Ask not what your country can do for you. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Free at last! Free at last! Thank God Almighty! And now, Common Sense Makes a Comeback. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Peter Heck Radio Show. Republicans are so fractured. They're so divided. They, they can't decide on a candidate. They're just, they're blowing it. This is such a great opportunity. Obama's made such a mess, and there's, and there's, just, there's just no way they're going to be able to win this election. That's a refrain, isn't it? In fact, let me read something to you here. As, as we start off the program, welcome to the Peter Hag Radio Show, by the way. Best two hours of political talk in central Indiana that you are going to find, and I'm glad that you found it. We won't be going anywhere for the next two hours. Right here, full coverage of Super Tuesday. We've got the president's press conference that was totally orchestrated so he could respond to the great issue of Rush Limbaugh. And, and look, if you are still going to say that this isn't all, this isn't all a total crock about the left's sensitivity to all of this, you just hang tight. I'm going to expose this man for who he is and what he is. I'm not talking about Rush Limbaugh. I'm talking about the president of the United States of America in just a few moments. 
And it's something that you need to arm yourself with. It's something you need to put in your quiver to go out and do battle with this stuff because that's what it's going to be for the next several months. Please understand the left knows this is war. They are fighting the war. And this Rush Limbaugh front is but an opening volley in that war. It's going to get worse, much worse. I hope you got the guts for it. I hope that you care enough about your country because that's what we're fighting over. That, and, and to me, it's worth it. I hope it is for you. So we're going we're gonna to discuss this. I'm going to play the audio for you, and we are going to laugh together at the nonsense coming out of the President of the United States' mouth. And we're going to expose him for the total charade that this is. The very fact that he had a press conference is such a clear indication that, that I'm right, that, that all of this is not about these terrible remarks made by Rush Limbaugh which by and large were not that bad compared to some of the things that have been said out there in our political dialogue. Let let me remind you that President John Quincy Adams and his administration referred to his challenger's wife as the same. Okay, so this isn't unprecedented, this isn't unheard of, and, and, and this is a radio commenter. Okay, this is not the issue. And we're going to get to all of this. But I want to start off reading something to you. We'll go down this Rush Limbaugh, this this phony charade of how the left is acting and feigning that they're so offended by this is bull. Anyway, more on that. And by the way, I also am going to get to you a list of uh, a list of these sponsors that have bailed on Rush Limbaugh. It's a partial list. We don't have all of them. Uh, but uh, but numbers that you can call. I meant to get to that tomorrow or yesterday, and I didn't. And so we're getting to it today. I'm I'm bound and determined to get this up on the website, uh, so that you all can uh, you all can access it and do what I did. I called all of them and said, uh, "You're not getting my business anymore. This is war. You've chosen sides. You're standing against free speech, and I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And I hope all of my listeners will decide the same." So anyway, that comes up on the show today. But I'm starting with this. As we come off of Super Tuesday, we'll get into some of the results and what it means going forward. Let me begin with this assessment, okay? And see if you don't think this is the common refrain that is being embraced. Not since Herbert Hoover has a party out of power had such an opportunity to run against everything that troubles the American family. Prices, interest rates, unemployment taxes, or the fear of the future of their old age or the future of their children that is now presented to the Republican Party. Not since Herbert Hoover has a party out of power had such an opportunity to run against everything that troubles the American family than is now presented to the Republican Party. The Republicans, however, haven't figured this out. This is their basic problem. They have no strategy for defeating an administration that is highly vulnerable on both domestic and foreign policy. That's the conventional wisdom in a nutshell, isn't it? So it probably doesn't surprise you that I'm quoting from a piece that appeared in the New York Times on February 29th. Except there's one small adjustment. The administration whose failings that are being described in this February 29th column is Jimmy Carter, not Barack Obama. These lines were written in the New York Times in 1980, not in 2012. The author of this piece was then the smart guy, the the director of conventional wisdom, James Scotty Reston, 
for the New York Times. The headline of the piece was Jimmy Carter's Luck, referring to Reagan's victory in the New Hampshire primary three days before that. You understand what this is? This is what the media was saying, albeit they didn't have as as loud of a voice and they didn't have as far-reaching of a voice because there wasn't the 24-hour cycles with news as what we have today. But what the media was saying in 1980, in Jimmy Carter's re-election year, is almost verbatim what is being said today. Yesterday, I played the audio of Bill Maher pointing out to, to his listeners, his followers, Barack Obama's very vulnerable. Barack Obama could lose this election. He is losing in the swing states to the Republicans right now. And 59% of the American people say the country's on the wrong track. And I challenged you as listeners, whether you're conservative or liberal, simply to do an academic exercise and think about going forward into the summer months when gas could very well be over $6 a gallon or at least right at $6 a gallon, potentially as a national average. Do you think the percentage of Americans that say the country's on the right track is going to increase or decrease? That's what we're looking at going into the summer. Obamacare will be decided on by the Supreme Court. That will thrust a very unpopular signature bill for the president right into the limelight, right into the, right into the focus. So we've got, we, we've got that reality that Barack Obama is remarkably vulnerable. And yet this common refrain that is embraced by conservatives uh, too many of them is, well, we just we can't decide on a nominee and we just uh, well, and there's so much hang, hand wringing. Oh, the Republican Party's so fractured. We haven't been able to, to, you know, unify around a message, any of this. Can I remind you of the results of the 1980 election? I mean, it wasn't even close. It was a landslide of landslides. Reagan dominated Jimmy Carter in that election. And as Bill Maher pointed out in the audio yesterday, the idea in 1968 of Ronald Reagan being president was something that Laugh-In did a standing running joke about. 1980, these words were written, that not since Herbert Hoover has a party out of power had such an opportunity to run against everything that troubles the American family than is now presented to the Republican Party. But they haven't figured this out. That's their basic problem. They have no strategy for defeating an administration that is highly vulnerable on both domestic and foreign policy. Friends, that's exactly where we are right now. You want to know why I don't join in the hand-wringing. You want to know why I'm confident about 2012. Because things are setting up exactly as they did in 1980. The Republican candidates, early 1980. You're talking about people like Philip Crane, John Connolly, John Anderson, Howard Baker, Bob Dole, George H.W. Bush, Ronald Reagan. Yeah, but Peter Reagan didn't have nearly the, uh, the negatives that these folks do. Really? Reagan was without baggage? Ask George H.W. Bush about that. He made political hay about all of Reagan's baggage. Reagan had pushed through the largest tax hike in California's history, signed off on one of the nation's most liberal abortion laws, and Bush constantly pointed this out. Reagan presided over the doubling of the state budget over his eight-year tenure. It was $10.2 billion when he left office, $4.6 billion when he entered. You don't think that was baggage? You don't think today that would be baggage in the primary for Ronald Reagan? 
in Iowa. Reagan lost the caucuses because he uh, he set on the lead and he played it cautious. In New Hampshire, he had to apologize for an ethnic joke that made fun of Italians and Poles. Then after that, people started uh, fretting about his social message. When he went to a Christian fundamentalist meeting of evangelicals, there was a minister that had shared the stage with Reagan who said, we're being attacked by satanic forces. New York Times columnist Anthony Lewis declared that to be the scariest piece of television he'd seen in some time. All of that happened to Reagan in 1980. Do you see why I don't fret about this? Let the liberals say what they want to say. They're panicked. They're scared. to de- I don't care what they tell you. I don't care how confident they seem. They know how vulnerable this president is because they know the state of the country sucks. They know it. I'm not, I'm not breaking any news to anybody. Just look at the simple. In fact, don't even look at numbers. Don't even look at statistics. Gauge it by what you're living. You know it as well as I do. If this is a recovery, that stinks. The American people aren't dumb. They know that. So all of these liberals saying, oh, yeah, give us Sarah Palin. Oh, oh, give us Mitt Romney. We should be so lucky as to have Rick Santorum. The exact same things that are being said about these Republicans now were being said about the Republican crop in 1980. That ended up okay. Again, I'm not saying this so that you'll just uh, you'll rest on your laurels. I'm saying this so that you realize when you're told that the Republican candidate, whoever it is, is a sure loser. When even your own starts saying that, Joe Scarborough saying, well, the election's over. We Republicans might as well head to Barbados. When George Will says, let's focus on the Senate and the House, which, by the way, I'm fine with focusing on Congress. But just right off the White House, that's not going to be as attainable. When you hear these respectable conservatives that are saying things like that, like George Will, look, Ronald Reagan was a sure loser to these folks back then. Ronald Reagan was a was a, a no chance of defeating Jimmy Carter. Here, when the Republicans had an opportunity, when Carter had screwed up his administration so badly, they go out and, and, and this is the crop they came up with, and they give us Ronald Reagan... And the rest, they say, is history. So, look, coming off uh, of the Super Tuesday and all of the things that are being said out there, and there's so many voices telling us what last night meant. And we'll get into some of that as the program unfolds. Keep in mind and keep in sharp, razor focus, razor sharp focus. Keep this in mind. The same people that are telling you that Republicans don't have a chance were the exact same voices saying Ronald Reagan didn't have a chance against Jimmy Carter. How'd that work out for him? Thanks to our friends of Attaboy Productions Incorporated, like those at Kokomo Autos, that's spelled with a Z, kokomoautos.com. If you are in a car buying mood, then why don't you at least check out the website, kokomoautos.com. There's no obligation. There's no charge to do it. Just go and check out the website. Uh, You can put in the specifications of the kind of car that you're looking for, the amount of mileage that you want on the car. Then you you have this whole checklist of accessories that you want on the vehicle. You want a DVD player? Do you want, uh, you know, heated seats? You want leather seats? All of this stuff that you would normally go to a dealership and say, do you have anything? And then they show you things, and you have to think in your mind, well, I can deal with this, I can deal with that. Why don't you put together your wish list, 
And then it goes out there to all of these hungry little car companies or, or dealerships that then start competing for your business. It's a brilliant way of doing automotive business. Check them out online, KokomoAutosWithAZ.com. It's business done the right way, too. And that's why I'm so thrilled to have them as friends of Attaboy. And they're not alone. We've got other great friends as well, like those at Cartridge World. You can swing by Cartridge World if you go to the Coles Plaza. You get it down there by uh, by uh, US 31 because you have to swing around past Coles around the bend there. And you get to, uh, to Cartridge World. If you're a business, an organization, a church, and you do a lot of copying, you do a lot of printing, you have to get new cartridges from time to time. You have to get new toner from time to time. Who do you get it with? One of these big chain stores? Why not go with a locally owned and operated business that is recycling and helping the environment, is very actively involved in community events. They helped us raise money for the Crisis Pregnancy Center. It's a great organization that I know that you're going to want to be affiliated with. The good folks over at Cartridge World, thank Greg Bewley and his great staff for everything that they do. Okay, I want to play this clip. The President of the United States held this press conference intentionally, intentionally because it it was to detract from the Super Tuesday events, and it was so he could be asked a question about the Rush Limbaugh thing and keep up this template of the war on women, which is a crock that the Democrats are talking about. That's why he did this. this look, we all know this about the president. He doesn't do press events, at least not like this. He doesn't do press conferences. He wants to be able to speak from a teleprompter. So why would he just out of the blue decide to have one yesterday? This is Alinsky. Pick out your target, specify it, freeze it, isolate it, personalize it, and destroy it. That's exactly what this is. This is Obama with shades of Alinsky running through him, but I'm going to expose it, and I want you to hear it so you can do the same. We do it next right here on the Peter Hag Radio Show. Make sure you're checking out the KokomoHerald.com. It's just KokomoHerald.com, and you can check out the dining guide that they've added for the Hungry Hoosier. You can make comments about places that you really like and that other people should check out. Maybe you got a family-owned and operated uh, a business that's one of those hole-in-the-wall stops. Some of those are the best restaurants you're ever going to find, but you need to get the word out. How do you do it? This dining guide at KokomoHerald.com is a great way to do it. Also, if, if you and your friends go out to lunch... And you're here in central Indiana, and you're looking for someplace different to go, check out the dining guide. This will give you a great idea of what's available, the specials that they've got, so on and so forth. And certainly if you're a restaurant, get in touch with the Kokomo Herald. Find out how you can make sure your information is available there as well. Kokomo Herald, good friends of Attaboy Productions. Great quality product comes out every Thursday, so take advantage of that. Thanks also to our friends at Creative Financial Center. Also a business located in central Indiana in Kokomo, but also with representatives around the country and world. And they've been able to be so successful because they've used solid biblical principles at the backbone of their advising and everything that they do. You will love the good folks at, at Creative Financial Center. Check them out online, cfcadvisors.com, cfcadvisors.com, or find out more information on what the what the company's all about at mickowens.com. Or, of course, you can... Uh, 
you can certainly uh, go and visit them yourself there on Gorier Road if you're in the Kokomo area. Okay, I want to go to uh, I want to go to this uh, Obama press conference. It is not coincidence that a man who holds fewer press conferences than any president in recent memory decided to have a press conference the day of Super Tuesday. When the focus was on the Republicans, Barack Obama didn't want it on the Republicans, so he holds a press conference. He also held a press conference so that he would be asked about the Rush Limbaugh situation so that he could take the morally superior position and continue this nonsense about needing and wanting civil dialogue. It was a crock when he did it in Arizona. And the reason I say it's a crock is because he is one of the biggest violators of it. He is in his entire administration. I mean, you, you've got Joe Biden out there calling uh, Tea Partiers and conservative Americans terrorists. And yeah, these are the people that are going to lecture us about civility and public dialogue. Give me a break. So anyway, as was expected, and I'm sure if it, if it wouldn't have happened, Barack Obama would have, would have planted the question. Uh, th- this this question about the Rush Limbaugh situation. Let's uh, let's roll the audio. I'll do my best to get through it, but you know how that typically goes. Roll it. Um, do you believe Rush Limbaugh's apology um, to the Georgetown law student was sufficient and heartfelt? Do you agree with the decision of the growing number of sponsors that have decided to drop his show, stop supporting his show? And has there been a double standard on this issue? Liberal commentators have made similarly provocative um, or distasteful statements, and there hasn't been such an outrage. You know, I'm not going to comment on what sponsors decide to do. I'm not going to comment on uh, uh, either the economics or the politics of it. Uh, I don't know what's in Rush Limbaugh's heart, so I'm not going to comment on uh, uh, the sincerity of his apology. What I can comment on is the fact that... All right, stop uh, for just a second. I want to make another point here. And uh, it's those of you who are listeners to Rush Limbaugh's program, you know that he says this quite often whenever, um, you know, presidents respond to something that he says. You know the line that Rush Limbaugh always says, I wish that my mom and dad could see this. Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting to you that Rush Limbaugh is proud of his remarks about Sandra Fluke. I, I I think based on his apology, he wishes he hadn't said that. But I want you to stop and consider here that the most powerful man in the world, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, is addressing the comments made by Rush Limbaugh. You want to talk about a power broker? You want to talk about somebody that's a mover and a shaker? You want to talk about somebody that's an opinion maker that is influential? That's all this is. It's a validation of how influential Rush Limbaugh really is. This isn't some, you know, radio hack. This is an influential guy. I mean, that, that, that's pretty remarkable that the president of the United States is taking time to address Rush Limbaugh. It's just, I think, I think it's a funny, a funny note to make of this whole situation. And when the dust settles on this, it has to be kind of humorous to him. That Rush Limbaugh is such a threat to these liberals uh, in, in, in power that they'll stop at nothing to destroy him. They'll have the president of the United States field questions about him at his press conferences. Now, the other side of this is for Americans that are sitting there watching this. This should make you livid. This should make you livid that, that, that Barack Obama, the sitting president, doesn't cut off the questioner and say, OK, listen, our economy is in a terrible state. 
we we are in a desperate situation. Unemployment has lasted longer for Americans than it did in the days of the Great Depression. We have gas prices that are out of control. We we have a long-term job problem in this country. I can't be taking time to take questions on, on, on little disagreements like this and little flaps like this. That's what the president should be saying. But the president is not a leader. The president doesn't know how to handle the economy. The president doesn't know how to do his job. And so, therefore, what he can do is community organize, and he can Alinskyite. He is an Alinskyite, an acolyte. And so he can do what Alinsky has trained him to do, which is to gin up controversy, to spark division and discord, and gain power in the process. And that's why he's taking this question. But he's not going to talk about the economics. Uh, based on his record on economics, I don't think anybody should take it seriously if he tried to. He's not going to talk about the politics of it. No, he's going to talk about this at a personal level. Well, of course he is. That's what this whole thing was designed to do, to make Obama look like he reigns above all of this, which isn't true. Roll the rest of this. Uh, all decent folks can agree uh, that the remarks that were made uh, don't have any place in the public discourse. And that would be uh, reasonable folks, except those on the left that make these comments on almost a daily basis. I'm sure they don't count, right? Uh, you know, the reason I called uh, Ms. Flute is because uh, I thought about Malia and Sasha and one oh, of the things geez. I want them to do uh, <laughs> as they get older <laughs> is to engage in. Oh, yes. Issues they care about. Absolutely, yeah. Even ones I may not agree with them on. Oh, yeah. Well. I want them to be able to speak their mind in a civil and thoughtful way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want them attacked uh, or, or called uh, horrible names because they're being good citizens. Yes, you know, horrible names being called horrible names are being attacked like I don't know, calling them teabaggers or something like that, right Mr. President? Or what about maybe calling them terrorists? Yeah, you know, since since you called Americans who were simply being good citizens, you called them teabaggers, sir. An incredibly offensive and crude sexual term, and since your vice president called them terrorists, are those the kind of horrible names that you don't want Sasha and Malia called? I'm calling total bull on this. And if you are an American with a brain, you know what this is. This is Barack Obama who called this simply so he could be asked on it, called this press conference simply so he could be asked about this question, simply so he could keep it in the news because he needs it to stay in the news. Because the more we're talking about that, the less we're talking about the utter failure of his administration. The more we're being distracted by this. The more we're looking at the shiny object over here in the sky, then the less time we have to talk about Obama's failed energy policy, Obama's failed economic agenda, Obama's failed jobs policy, Obama's failed budgets, Obama's failed foreign policy, and Obama's failed second foreign policy, and Obama's third failed foreign policy. The more time we're talking about Rush Limbaugh's comments, and he's bringing up Sasha and Malia, oh, I don't want them called horrible names for simply being good citizens. Unless, of course, they join the Tea Party, and then I'll call them teabaggers. Unless, of course, they join the conservative crusade, and, and, and then I'll have my vice president go out and call them terrorists. Mr. Obama, listen to me, and listen to me good. You don't have any credibility on this issue. 
You are part of a movement that, that is one of the most disgusting and depraved when it comes to the terminology that's used, when it comes to the, 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 the state of their discourse. You support commentators who say far more offensive things than this, and you don't call their victims. You have no credibility on this. And any American that wants to approach this with an open mind sees straight through this nonsense. You are not outraged by this. You've used worse terms yourself. You are not offended by the state of our public dialogue because you have fueled worse dialogue. And if you are worried about Sasha and Malia and what they're going to grow up in, you would be setting a better example with your own terminology, sir. I mean, it's just, it is a total, unmitigated crock that President Obama thinks he's going to get away with this. And, and like Savannah Guthrie said on the program, uh, we had the audio for you uh, yesterday on the show. At least we talked about it on the show yesterday. She said, I don't know about this call to Sandra Fluke. I think that it's, uh, I, I think it's got the possibility it's going to backfire. Well, of course it is. He doesn't call conservatives when they're called sluts or, or worse terms. He's not worried about, uh, you know, what Sasha Malia are going are gonna to face if they end up being like Laura Ingram. He's not worried about that at all. At least not enough to pick up the phone and call. And what about, you know, let's pick somebody on Sasha Malia's own age level. What about the 14-year-old girl in Maryland who's now receiving death threats from homosexual activists simply because she stated her opinion in an unbelievably mature and respectful way for a 14-year-old at the Maryland legislature. She's getting death threats. She's being told by homosexual activists that they hope that she is raped by her parents and die. I hate to tell you, Mr. President, that's quite a bit worse, quite a bit worse than calling somebody a slut. As bad as calling somebody a slut is, saying you hope they get raped by their parents and then die, it's a little bit worse. Why didn't he pick up the phone and say, you know, when I heard about this, I thought about my own daughters who are about your age. And I want them to take a stand, even if I don't agree with them. I want them to take a stand and not be called horrible names in the process. The selective nature of Mr. Obama's outrage completely destroys his credibility. And if you give him any, it's because you are a willing dupe. It's because you are a sycophant. And you don't have any desire. You're part of the same group. You don't have any desire for, for civil dialogue. You, what you have a desire for is the advancement of a liberal progressive agenda. That's what Obama's in this for. It's what he sees this as a vehicle to ride to power for a while. And that's what he's going to try to do. You get the word out. When Mr. Obama starts calling 14-year-olds in Maryland who have, been, who have been victimized by Mr. Obama's political allies, then we'll start talking about him regaining some credibility. When he calls Laura Ingram. Then we'll talk about him having some credibility. But until that time comes, no, recognize this for what it is. Shameless, pathetic, gutter politics. That's what the president's engaging in. It's what he's best at. He is an Alinskyite. Thanks to our friends over at Terrell's Auto Service. If you have any problems with your vehicle, get it over to Terrell's. Honesty, integrity with everything that they do, the way they handle your car, the way they handle your uh your business, you will love them. Um, whether it's major auto repair, minor auto repair, something simple with your vehicle like an oil change, Terrell's, that's the place to go. Good friends of Attaboy for a long period of time, keeping our car on the road as we travel around spreading the good word. Couldn't do it without them. 
And uh, and certainly, if you if you have needs, take it over to Terrell's. It's one way of saying thanks for being good friends of Attaboy Productions Incorporated, as are the folks at Norris Insurance for all of your insurance needs. They will come running branches all over central Indiana. Thank them for their friendship with Attaboy as well. Okay, I've been promising this, and I'm going to get to it now. There has to be, uh, hopefully this will be it today on this Limbaugh issue, because, again, this is all meant to distract The reason I'm taking the time to address it is to make sure we understand it in the proper context and to say, like I'm about ready to say in this next segment, conservatives, it's time to circle the wagons and it's time to let your voice be heard. No more of this stuff. No more of letting the left use their selective outrage uh, to, to use our virtue against us. No more of that. You can be virtuous. You can say it's inappropriate to call somebody a slut. But let's not lose sight of what this is all about. And Mr. Obama's the one in the wrong on this. Sandra Fluke is the one who's in the wrong on what really matters. When I come back, I'm going to give you a list of those cowardly advertisers who have kowtowed to the demands of the left, who once again, they aren't worried about what's being said. They are seeing this as a way to silence Rush Limbaugh. They've tried it in different ways. They tried it with the, with the fairness doctrine. That, that didn't work. So here's, here's another opportunity to go about it this way uh, and, and silence with the advertisers. And that's what they're going to do this time around. And the advertisers that have fallen prey to the liberal fascism, they need to have a serious kickback coming their direction from conservatives. We're going to we're going to publicize it. We're going to talk about it next right here on the Peter Hague Radio Show.